Houston, we are go for launch in T-minus 30 seconds. Every day I become a better operator, whatever it is, and it happens. Why? Because I don't take time off. We are green on all engines, sir. I only knew one way, and I knew the right way. Initiating launch countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 3, 2, 1. The Service Rocket Podcast has good liftoff. Welcome to the Service Rocket Podcast, hosted by Victor, the Rocket Man Rancor. Please enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Service Rocket Podcast, episode number seven. I'm your host, Victor Rancor, and today we got a really exciting guest. This is someone that's, you know, I've, I consider one of the goats to ever do what they've done. Um, he's taken an entire industry and created something completely different that stands out above the rest. Um, he's someone that I've done a lot of work with. Um, he's, he's branded multiple, uh, multiple of my locations and my companies. And Dan Antonelli, I'm just excited to have you back on the podcast, man. Always good to see you, brother. Can't wait for Vegas, man. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's it's coming up fast, man. And and you know, obviously, I remember it was like eight months ago. I'm like, oh man, it's 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 we got a long way. We got a long time. We got a long time. And I just looked up the other day, and I'm like, dude, we got a month and a half until this thing's about to happen. And I'm excited. I'm actually flying out to Vegas tomorrow to go walk the site for next year's event. We're looking at the Raider Stadium next year, but um, we're excited. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see the whole industry, man. It's it's. Over the last like month and a half, there's just been a big switch where like everybody wants to go there, and, and I see so many people are canceling their trip to Service World, which I kind of feel bad about. But you know, I'm putting on something special, and I'm just excited to have everybody there. So, Dan, yeah. I wanted to have you come on today. Obviously, you got some exciting news of yourself. Uh, you got a bunch of stuff going on, but you know, one of the big things you got going on right now is this new book that everybody's been uh, talking about on social media. Man, you want to want to jump into that a little bit and explain, uh, you know, what made you decide to write another book and and where. What you think of? What do you think is this one's the biggest takeaway from this book? Um, yeah, I mean, I wrote my last book about ten years ago, and it was mainly just for small businesses in general. It wasn't specific to home service, and I basically took, you know, all the information, uh, all the experience I've learned over the years, and said, let me put a book out that is really solely focused on home service branding. Um, and I think there's just so much misinformation. There's a lot of bad advice given. Um, and I want to try to do my best to help people, you know? So like, even if you, even if we can't work for you or, or you can't hire us, I still want the best for you. And, and when I see guys get bad advice or, you know, bad brands that they put out on the street that, that I know are not going to work, um, uh, it aggravates me. Like I'm, I'm upset. And then I said, you know what, the reason why some of the stuff is happening is because no one's really done a great job of educating people about it. So I said, let me put this book out. So when somebody posts on, on, on your Facebook page and says, Hey, what do you think of my truck wrap? And 25 guys say, you know, it's not good or call kick charge. I just want to say, Hey, listen, just, just buy the book or like read the book before you do anything. So you understand how this is supposed to work. So if I can help a couple of, you know, as many home service owners as I can learn more about it, I think that's, that's a win for me. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize it. They just think, oh, it's just a truck wrap, right? And that's what I get all the time. And I talk to people like, oh, and he just did a truck wrap for you. I was like, dude, it's a lot more that goes into it rather than just a truck wrap. And and I think that's what a lot of the your competitors are, right? Like they design a truck wrap, but yeah, they don't yeah. realize that, that 
that that has to be on everything that you wear, you know, from your uniforms to your office building to your obviously your trucks, your your pamphlets, everything that that logo has to be able to work everywhere. And I think that's one of the things that you just you've been able to just crush between you and your team. So I think, you know, obviously, you know, I met Dan Antonelli in 2019 at was it? Was it free uh, service it was world service. or was it? The, I think it was service world. I think, actually. Was, I think I was speaking at that event and then you were there um, and a bunch of other guys and we were all hanging out. Yeah. So I met him at service world in, uh, in Las Vegas in 2019. And, and at that point I was about, you know, 16 months or something like that into business. And, you know, my business was doing great. We were pacing for over $5 million that year. We had bought a bunch of trucks. We'd, we'd done a bunch of, you know, bunch of, bunch of branding on the business already, which was the scary part. And I remember meeting Dan for the first time and he saw my logo and you could just see the look on his face of, of disgust. Absolute just wanted to puke right there, dude. I'm like, Dan, are you drinking? He's like, no, man, I'm not. But you fucking got me feeling sick. And, you know, that's the first time I met Dan. And at that point, I <laughs> at that point, I'm like, man, I thought I had a great logo. I thought we had a great business going on. And and I still remember that encounter because I was, I was, I, you know, I was in a, I was in a different state of mind at that point. And I'm just like, man, fuck that guy. Like he doesn't know nothing about branding. And I didn't even know who you were at that point. And someone kind of broke it down to me who you were. And, and then obviously I started following you on social media and kind of just watching and seeing some of the things that you were putting out there. And I think that's what stood out. Cause I'm like, the second you saw a Dan Antonelli truck, you knew it was his. Cause it was just different. It was like every little piece of it was thought out. And I think it took me about three months before I, I even had to convince my team. Cause I remember my team's like, we don't need to rebrand. We don't need to do this. We don't, you know, that's, that's too much money and all this stuff. And I, in my head, I'm like, if I don't do this now, it's going to cost me more money later. Is, is that something you run into a lot of like the companies are just so scared to pull the trigger because of how much it costs. You want to yeah. kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you certainly have guys that say uh, either I'm too big to rebrand or, um, you know, it, it's going to be too much money and, and, and it's never going to be less expensive to rebrand than it is today. It's not going to be cheaper next year when you've got more trucks, more uniforms, more shit with your logo on it. And the other, the other part of it is it's not just the cost of rebranding. It's the cost of missed opportunities. It's the cost of how much you can increase your average tickets. It's the cost of recruitment. So all those things play a role. So when guys are like, oh my God, it's so expensive to get just a logo you know that they don't understand it, you know, because if they think it's just a logo, then go to Fiverr, go to 99designs and get just a logo. But if you really want a brand, that's a completely different thing. And I think if you really see, and you've experienced it, you know, what it does in terms of the sales process, recruitment, um, and, you know, just the ability to have people um, expect to pay more for your service. You know, they see that there's a value. Um, and, and most guys just don't look as good as the service they provide. I mean, all yeah. your training teaches these guys how to kill it after they get inside a house. We, we're trying to control what the consumer believes about before you actually get there. And that's what the book talks a lot about, a lot about too, is just consumer psychology about branding and how that all, all plays together. Well, you know, obviously, you know, when we went through the rebrand and me and you went through it pretty quickly, but the second I saw it, man, like when I first saw the absolute logos and the trucks and I'm just like the first thing that came to my head, even if I didn't, it wasn't my company, it was from an outsider point of view, it looked like a hundred million dollars. Like that looked like a company that's been around for a long time, that's established, that's going to provide high level service, that's going to stand behind the stuff, like just the feeling the truck gives you. And and it's, you know, obviously I get that from everybody. Just like, they're like, wait, you're just 
wait, you're a mom and pop shop? And I'm like, yeah, I'm technically a mom and pop shop. They don't realize that everybody thinks I'm a big corporation or even when they when they talk about the radio as a, oh, they're like, oh yeah, you're one of your, it's not a franchise. And I'm like, no, it's not a franchise, brother. And that's the, that's the feeling that you get from them. And a lot of people think like, oh, it's just the trucks. It's just this, the amount of attention that the trucks attract, not just your consumers, right? So a lot of people are thinking like customers, how many customers am I going to get? Well, think about your internal customers, right? So imagine you're going, you're up against all these people because everybody's hiring right now. Everybody's trying to get trying to get employees in the door. Well, X company's got this old white truck, dirty looking old white truck. Doesn't it has a beat up logo? Doesn't look like anything special. The uniforms are just plain. And then you got a company like say uh, Trey Anderson, Dream Team out in Louisiana, right? They show up and they got these bright green trucks. They they look beautiful. They got those nice shirts on. All the logos are done up. Who do you think that a guy's going to want to go apply to? Who do they think is going to have a bigger future? Logo itself gives that employee a feeling of, hey, this company's going somewhere. Have your other uh, other customers kind of explained that to you? Hey, guys. I hope you guys are enjoying the Service Rocket podcast. This is your host, Victor Rancor. Exciting news. We had some tickets open up for the Service Rocket Growth Summit. It's October 20th through 22nd at Resort World Las Vegas. You're going to want to be there. We have some of the best owners, operators, trainers, and motivators in the country all in one place coming together to help you guys grow your business, grow your sales, and hopefully grow in life. So if you haven't got a chance yet, go to servicerocketnetwork.com. Go ahead and get signed up today. Cannot wait to see you guys in Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think to your point as well, when you talk about recruitment being the number one problem that home service companies have, um, a lot of times you look at really what the presentation looks like. What does it look like a place that I want to work for? Um, yeah. And am I going to be proud to drive that truck? Am I going to be proud to wear that uniform? Will I want to wear that uniform even off hours? And most of the times, no. Like the answer is no. no. Like it doesn't look like that. And you can obviously, you know, people want to get paid well and all those other aspects of it, but you want to be proud to represent something. And you want to know that that brand personifies the excellence that you put out. Like every day you're out in the field and, and you're doing amazing service, but it doesn't look like a company that does amazing service. And, and the other part too that the book really talks about is you can overcome that. Like there's, look how many guys build 10, 20, $50 million companies with shitty brands. And you say, well, that just proves you don't need a good brand. And I'm like, well, no, it, it proves that with the with any amount of marketing, you can overcome a poor brand. But wouldn't you rather spend less money on your marketing? Wouldn't you rather have people believe something instead of having to bang so much money into your advertising spend? Well, you got to think if you keep in mind, though, so every time they talk about those companies, they're usually 20, 25 year old companies or, or older, right? These old school companies that have been around forever, been able to acquire all yeah. the customer base. And they maybe they took over TV when it was first started or they were on the newspaper or whatever it was. They dominated back then and it's translated now because it just, it just snowballs over time. You're going to get customers, right? Yeah. Well, that you can't compare that to your company, to your tiny little company that's now trying to compete in a digital world. And it's a whole different landscape than it was 25, 30 years ago when those guys are humping the phone books and, and the yellow pages and things like that to build that client list. Now you have competition every quarter you turn around that's trying to take over that space, especially because there's so much money in the space now uh, from private equity and all these other things. Like, yeah, that 25-year-old company, it's a whole different landscape than a guy trying to start a business now and try to disrupt a market. Like I didn't like if someone, if I would have came stuck with my brand now, I wouldn't be doing $20 million this year. I guarantee it. I'd probably be doing 
10 to $12 million a year this year, if we're lucky, right? And I wouldn't have been able to attract the talent I have. I wouldn't have been able to attract the notoriety. I mean, everywhere you go now, people know our trucks. They see us everywhere. I get people taking pictures of our trucks and all over the place. Like they send it to me all the time. So it's like, it's working, right? But if I didn't make that switch, we would have just blended in like anybody else. It would have never happened. So yeah, you can wait 25 years to see success or you can go from, from when I started three years ago to now, we, and since that time, like we were, uh, when we first, when we first teamed up, I think I did, uh, we just got done with like 5 million that year. Right. Mm -hmm. And we rolled and did like I, 2020, we ended up doing like $14 million. So we almost tripled in that, in that same amount of time yeah. and the next year, more than that and more than that. So I don't know if it would have happened without it. I doubt it. But if you're trying to take over a market quickly, you're trying to get market share, you got to stand out above everybody else. And, that, and that's kind of what Dan does. Do you want to kind of talk about, uh, like the like the the science behind it, right? Because you're not just making a logo, like making the colors blend, and, and how you guys go about picking colors that are you know brand specific. Because that's one thing that stands out too. Because the colors you guys use multiple color shades, usually three, four, six. I've seen like six or seven colors in some of them. Talk about how you guys go about picking that. Yeah, um, I want to just talk touch upon something you said just before though about private equity in, in, in the industry as well though and what that means for the smaller guy that doesn't have the financial backing, right? So the idea with that is I see so many companies that get purchased or are owned by private equity and to me, the book is almost written for the person that is trying to compete against that space because private equity, those guys, they have a steady source of return, right? So they're not they're not really very aggressive. They're not looking to do something disruptive. They don't want to rock the boat. So they're very, very comfortable in what they're doing. And so because they're comfortable, again, how do I do something that is going to really be unique, be disruptive to compete against that sort of complacency that exists in the private equity world? So just want to touch upon that just for a second. But as far as it relates to colors, you know, for us, colors are all about what's happening in your marketplace and what equity you have in the existing brand. So for you, you were already, you, ha you had your whole building was already painted blue. You've been using <laughs> red, white, and blue. But if you had come yeah. to a startup and said, Dan, I'm starting up a new company, it's going to be called Absolute Airflow. Um, I probably don't brand you red, white, and blue. You know, it's yeah. not a color I like to, I like to use in brands because it's very difficult to own. It's not only associated with heating and air and also dozens of other heating and air conditioning companies, it's also associated with Americana. So it's hard to look at red, white, and blue and automatically all I can think about is absolute air, right? I could think about yeah. well, the flag or there's a lot of competitors in your space that are using also red, white, and blue. So we look at colors and just try to say, what colors are available in your market and how can I build a color scheme that is uniquely identifiable to you only? So as soon as I see these colors, whether it's orange and, you know, orange and purple, like for G, right? So no one in yeah. this market had orange and purple, but as soon as you see it, that's the only brand you know using those colors. Of course, you're going to remember it. So using colors is a really important part of it. And again, you know, a lot of people pick very safe colors when they start up, because it seems like, oh, that's what everybody else is doing. So I'm going to do something similar. And we want to do the exact opposite. Like, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I want to do something that's unique and disruptive, of course. Yeah. And in the other thing, circling back to the private equity, right? So I'm, you know, me and Bill are partnered and I think we've now acquired or partnered with seven of your brands. And the reason why we go, we're specifically looking to partner with those guys because they have a lot of the stuff in place already, right? Now it's yeah. just like we got the brand locked in. You know, now we just got to bring in processes, some capital, stuff like that. And it's plug and play. We can grow that business. Yeah. Now, if you go, we go, we find another company where it's like 
they got a shitty brand. Okay, there's you know there's more money we got to spend on that. There's this, but there's all these things you have to get them to change their mindset and their and their and their thinking to start pushing them in that direction. But these guys are already forward thinking. Anybody that's already went rebranded re or gone through the process, they're already thinking about growth. It's just a different concept because they're not. These guys aren't rebranding to stay small. They're rebranding to get big. And yeah. then guess what? Those companies, if I, you know, if I go to market with those companies, they stand out. When when a private equity is looking at that company, they got obviously they got the revenues got to be there, the profits more importantly got to be there. But they're looking like, man, the brand's on point. They got all this. Yeah. Like they got a great customer list. All that stuff adds up to the the end game of how much you're going to be able to sell your business for. Yeah. So if you guys think like, man, oh, it's a, it's you know, I don't even know what it costs to rebrand anymore. Whatever it is, it's worth it. But you know, say it's thirty thousand dollars, and then you got to rebrand some trucks. Okay, so now we we're, we go into this thing. So we spend sixty grand. How quickly are we going to get that sixty grand back? Right. And I think within probably the first six months, say most more people are more than likely they're going to get their money back on it. Uh, right. I don't know what what you're what you've seen as far as ROI on it. Yeah, but also it's a long-term play, you know. So, so even even the the initial investment for the branding, and then you take the trucks that you're going to invest in. Well, those trucks have a five-year life expectancy. So, you know, divide that over five years, and like, how much are we really spending on on the rebrand? But you could look at the, you know the numbers for Jason Bueller, which are insane as far as ROI. I mean, he he basically derived a million dollars in revenue uh, from eighteen wrap trucks alone, right? So, you know, you divide yeah. that out, and it's like. You know, it's almost less than $20,000 a year he was spending to get a million dollars in revenue. And he went from 2.5 to, I think he's doing 11 or 12 in, in 36 or 48 months. But but while spending less than 4% of revenue. So that's the other part where yeah. you guys are, oh, you got to spend 10%. You got to spend 10%. Well, bullshit. Well, the shittier the brand, yeah, then you got to spend 10%. Okay. Well, I know, well, like and I know certain markets are different. I mean, your market's tough. I mean, I get it. Not all markets are, are as easy. But, you know, you don't need to spend as much if you have a better brand is the bottom. Well, line. The, the other thing you run into, like in California, I have, I got a billboard, right? My one billboard 7,500 bucks. And like, that's a cheap billboard on, on an interstate here in California. Okay. Right. Well now I have, I have over 50 trucks on the road. Those are driving billboards. And I think that was one of the things that I learned uh, from Leland Smith. So Leland will Leland, you won't see ever see a service champions billboard. Okay. And he doesn't have a great brand, but whatever it is, but he knows that the, the amount of trucks he has on the road are far more important than what the, all the billboards like, these are driving billboards are everywhere constantly all day long. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. Cause I'm like, why I have the billboard where I can go buy, you know, how much of the truck cost me per month? Okay. Right. I got an $800 truck payment. I wrapped the thing that's less than a cost for a billboard a month. And I'm, and I'm already making, and I'm going to be making my money back. Now I have a truck to drive. I got billboards all over the place. So that's another thing you don't look at is like, if I park my trucks anywhere, dude, people are taking pictures with them. They see it. I get pictures. I was telling you before we got on here, everywhere. Like I get probably, you know, 10 pictures a month from people like, Hey, I see your trucks or that people are taking videos and posting it on their social media and stuff like that. There's free, more free, free advertising. If they saw my little shitty truck driving down the road before, they wouldn't have seen the logo. You can see this yeah. thing. Like I have, I have a buddy of mine. He's a competitor and I think he, he was going to go rebrand with you. He pulled out of it. His shop's right on the freeway, dude. And every day he gets to see, he, he's like, I can see your freaking trucks coming from a mile away. I can see the logos on the truck. I know it's your truck every single time. And that's the power of branding, right? Yeah. And in terms of cost per impression, uh, truck wraps are the least expensive cost per impression of any medium, bar none. Like it's not even close. Like you can, you just said 7,500 for one billboard, right? You know, you could spend 7,500 and wrap two trucks and you'll have 
almost as many impressions and it'll last you five years, you know? So it's like, it's like, it's kind of like a no brainer, but the, but the problem is, is most of the truck wraps, like you, like you said, are just not done very well. And the, the reason yeah. why they're not done very well is because they don't have a good brand to start with. So people are like, Oh, you know, we get a lot of people said, Hey, can you design a, a cool truck wrap? We love your truck wraps. And then you know, I'm like, well, maybe like, let's see your logo. And then they send me something that is never going to work on a truck. And I say, hey, I can't, I can't work with this, and I don't want to take money from something that I know isn't going to work. So either rebrand or, you know, go to go to a sign company. I'm sure they'll be, you know, happy to take your money. But that's not the way I roll. Like I'm not going to take money on something that I know isn't isn't going to work for you. Yeah, and this is the other thing. So like obviously we're having a conversation right now about doing another rebrand for me, a company I just acquired. They've been around for 44 years. They have a very, very good presence in the market. And, you know, me and you have gone back and forth because it's like, hey, do we just roll it in absolute or do we roll, you know, do we roll the original name? And and obviously that's a it's a tough question because now I'm gonna be spending money on marketing two companies. There's 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 different things that go yeah. about that. Um, in your opinion, for most of the time, what, what do you see? What do you think is normally the best route to go? Obviously, we've had a conversation on the route that I'm going, but you know, most, most companies, where do you steer them normally? Yeah, you, you have to look at a number of factors. You've got to look at how long have they been in business, okay? So how much brand equity exists? Even if it's a terrible brand, everyone has brand equity. It's just you know, how much, you know, how can we measure that? Is, is it a name also that's easy to spell, easy to pronounce? So you have to look at naming as well. Um, is there a unique aspect about their brand that we can leverage on a rebrand? Like maybe they have, like for you, you had the Eagle and we said, all right, well, let's, let's bring an Eagle into the new brand and evolve the brand instead of completely throwing away every single thing. Um, and then some people just literally have nothing at all worth leveraging. And so we kind of rip the bandaid off and, and sort of start over with that. Um, and, and I think the important part of that too, though, is the rollout. So like, you know, the, the business you're taking over, when we rebrand that, the rollout has to be done in a manner to make sure that all the existing customers know exactly what's happening. Well, why did, why did you rebrand? Like, what does that mean for me as a consumer? Does that mean that my warranties are still in place? Does it mean that you're still going to be able to service my house? You know, all those things have to be answered. So as long as you roll it out in, in, in an organized fashion, the, you know, it's, it's never a problem, but you've got to really balance equity and existing, you know, in the existing name and existing history how well they're known, all those aspects of it. And then just sort of say, you know, revenue is one way, is, is an easier way. Like to me, if it's like a million under, it's like usually a no brainer. Like if it's a bad yeah. name, changing the name and we're starting over because there's not enough equity at a million dollars to say it's worth it to keep it. We'll be fighting it forever, right? So it's like at a certain point, I want to fix it because I know moving forward, everything is going to be great instead of trying to work backwards and trying to work with what I'm given um and no that's going to be a, a harder battle right so i mean certainly we love it when we get the opportunity to to have a brand new company because then i can i can ideate about the strategy i can ideate about the brand story and i can create something that i know is going to work but you know for the existing ones you know you balance all those things out and make sure that you know that's the right move for them yeah and obviously it's it's one of those things. It's it's a hard thing to swallow too. Like if you've had, especially when you're everybody's company's their baby, right? And you got to tell them your yeah. your baby's ugly is is never a fun thing. It's the same thing when I'm talking to companies, and I want to buy their I want to buy their company. They're like, it's worth this much. I'm like, it ain't, dude, it ain't worth shit. Okay, your business yeah. ain't worth yeah. shit. And we'll have another conversation about how little amount of shit it's worth. It's barely worth the the amount of trucks that you guys have. I've taken on all this debt, so it's just conversation that you have, right? Um, and those are difficult 
Speaking of difficult, man, um, obviously, you know, me and you were talking offline and something you really want to go over it. And that is, you know, time, man. I mean, because a lot of people don't know your story about what happened with the heart attack and all that stuff. And, and, you know, I think me and you had this conversation last year at Uncle Joe's thing. And I'm just like, you're important to this industry, man. Everything that you've done is, 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 is honestly, there's nobody else like you there. There's a reason why everywhere I go, if they, there's the goat, when he walks to the door, like a lot of people could say they're, they're the greatest of something you dominate this market. Do you want to talk about that? You know, obviously what went through your head when it happened, obviously how you're doing now, uh, let's cover that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, listen, having the issues that I had with, with my heart um, was by far the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And you might say, well, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, nearly dying is like the greatest thing that ever happened to you. And you, and, and it's mainly because of what happens on the other side of that and then being blessed to be on the other side of that. So um, I will say, you know, when they're wheeling you into the OR and they're going to saw you in half and do a bypass surgery on you. And before that, they tell you to get your affairs in order and make sure that, you know, I had to make sure my wife had access to my my che checking account and the business, believe it or not, she didn't. I didn't have her as a co-signer. So like I had to do all this stuff and all the, all the time leading up to that stuff, you're just really starting to realize that, you know, in as much as we're all about grinding, we're all about really trying to do uh, the best that we can every single day, you realize that there is a, um, a life expectancy on, on each and every one of us. And, and so I, I made some changes, I would say, after that experience to really just try to focus a little bit more about the now and a little bit more about today um, and realize that tomorrow may actually not ever happen. It may not ever come. And the other part, too, is just like trying to do things that I had been putting off doing, like like my wife and I, like two months after the surgery, we bought a shore house and we're, we're building a shore house down in Delaware. And I never would have done that if I didn't have that experience, you know? So, you know, like I said, they're, they're wheeling you in, you know, and, and the, you know, the light over the table is on there and, and you're realizing that, you know, there's no, uh, there's no Brinks truck that's going to follow you to the, to the funeral home and, and, give you a bunch of cash in the casket. Like, so, so that thing I yeah. think has really helped me. And the other part too, just from a management standpoint is that I couldn't run the business while all that stuff was happening. And I had to trust in the team that I had set up here and, oh my God, did they ever kill it? And so that part of that was great for me to almost be forced to experience because I got to see how well this, this agency runs without me. Um, and so I don't actually run day to day anymore. I haven't for about two years and somebody else does that. And I just stick to doing the fun stuff, which to me, the fun stuff is working on, on brands and things like that. So, so it was the, literally the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I'm so blessed to still be alive. Um, and you look at me and you say, well, I don't look like the poster child for cardiovascular disease. And, you know, a guy that's been racing bicycles for 20 years and, you know, I ride about six or 7,000 miles a year, but genetics, I, I, you can't stop genetics. So I got lucky because the original doctors said I was fine and I, I wasn't feeling good. I got a second opinion and they're like, yeah, you got two blockages in your Widowmaker. So those are game over scenarios. Like you don't want a blockage yeah. in your Widowmaker. That's game over. Um, and he was like, yeah, you would have been riding your bike and they'd find you on the side of the road. So, you know, we're going to take care of it. But it was it was scary. But again, like I said, the best thing that that literally ever happened to me. 
Yeah. And obviously we're, we're blessed that obviously you had made it through there, but you know, it is eye opening, right? I think I made a post the other day, like, Hey, let's play the long game. And, and Dan came in, he's like, Hey, don't play it too long. You know what I mean? Make sure that yeah, you, exactly. you, re- you realize that there, there is a time on there is, there is a limit on everything. And, you know, obviously even for me, like I'm, I'm still young, but you know, there's still, there's a limit on everything and how much time you want to take and put in your business. But I think one of the biggest things I got out of it is, from what you just said is that your your company was still able to run without you, which is a sign of a great organization, is a sign of a great leader, a great, you know, obviously putting the processes in place to where they could do that seamlessly without you. So, you know, and I've personally worked with, you know, uh, multiple multiple people over your office, man. They're on top of their stuff, especially billing. They know they know that very well. <laughs> They're like, hey, hold on, brother. But well, let's let's talk let's talk about that. So obviously, you know, you you find this out, you're going in. What made you drive to even want to go back to work? Because you know, a lot of people might have been at that point said, "Hey, let's let's mail it in." Like, "Hey, let's obviously I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a step back. I'm not going to be as involved." It seems like you're very, very involved in the day to day. You're very, very involved in the business and growing. So, what what what's behind that decision? Rather than you know, obviously having something like that taking a step back, it seems like you almost pushed the gas harder uh, since that happened. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, my wife says the same thing because she's like, well, I thought you were, you know, stepping back a little bit and, and believe it or not, I'm actually working less. I'm just spending more time on the things that I enjoy. Um, but, yeah. you know, you realize that there's lives that we're able to impact, you know, and, and, and we're able to make a difference in people's lives. And, and there aren't to me a lot of jobs like that where, where the work that you do has the ability to affect so many other people. Um, and so I really am, am still so passionate about that. And you could say, you know, you know, I had thoughts about retiring or doing something like that. And I'm like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Like how, how many, how many miles a week am I going to ride on my bike? You know, what am I going to do the rest of the time? You know, so yeah. I'm still doing stuff that I've loved for the last 30, 35 years. Um, and I still get to change lives, but like day to day stuff, like I don't, I don't deal with it. Like I'm not involved in that stuff. I come in here. I pick and choose, you know, which projects I want to be involved in and, and, and work on. And, and, you know, I'm blessed to be able to do that. And, and certainly doing the book was also a big thing, too, because I was like, oh, man, like if I had died, then all that information that I had wanted to get out to people never would have would have gone out. And I've been saying, oh, I got to write a book. I got to write a book for like three years is really when it, the seed kind of started. And then I decided I was actually flying out to, I think it was Joe Corsara's event last, last October. And I said, I'm going to do this within a year. I knew your event was coming up and we were talking about that. I'm like, and that's what I'm going to drop this book is that Victor's event next year. And like, I'm super excited that I I hit that goal, but you know, I worked on that book, you know, almost 90% of that book was written after 1030 at night. Um, because I was just able to be very focused on it, no distractions and everything like that. But, um, you know, listen, just sort of live as if, um, tomorrow may not come, um, is is sort of what I I would say within reason. I'm not saying go out and do stupid things like, (laughs) don't, don't give me the green light, Dan. I'll go back to the crazy Vic. I'm just kidding. Um, but but just know that those things that you've been sort of saying, oh, I'm going to do that when this happens or when that happens, um, you know, you really, you know, have to have to recognize that, you know, you just don't know what's around the, around the corner. So, like I said, I, I just feel like 
very blessed that I went through that experience. And, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, oh, so being in the hospital for a week and being in like agony, <laughs> it's the greatest thing. I'm like, well, that part wasn't really the greatest part, but the after part certainly was. So I try to remember that every day when I wake up and, and I'm able to do things and I'm just like, you know what, I'm really lucky that I'm here today. And, and, and that experience I think has made me a better person. I think it's made me a better leader. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just super blessed and super appreciative of my team and family. No, hundred percent, man. And a lot of people don't realize what goes into writing a book too. So you said that you're working till so I, I have ADD, like a crazy, like I just, it's almost like on, like I'm on manageable. <laughs> like it, it's actually become a major problem, uh, especially because I keep doing more stuff. So then it becomes more stuff that I'm like all over the place with. But you know, I'm in the process. I've been, you know, I'm still, I'm in the process of doing. It. I got the outline of my book done, but just like the focus it takes, and then it's like you also you're putting yourself out there too because you know you gotta you're writing the story. You got to write a book that is engaging. People are going to want to listen and you got to run it back through your head. Like, is this how I want it to be worded and, and things mm -hmm. like that. And I think that's one of the roadblocks I'm running into is like, will other people like this? Are other people really going to be entertained by this? And, and you want to kind of go through what your thought process is, was behind that and, and how much yeah. that, it's, it's really nerve wracking. Cause I'm like, dude, like once I put it there, that's there forever. People are going to have that forever. And I want to make sure yeah. I, I'm wording you know, how I want it. You know, I, I think, I think you approach it from the perspective of, of a number of different things. For, first off, like I know it's going to piss off some people, some of the things that I write in the book. Um, but it's going to piss off the people who really aren't open-minded. They're probably not going to be reading it in the first place because, again, more of that complacency. They don't think that they need to change or anything like that. But, you know, my, my biggest pet peeve is just some of the really, really bad advice uh, that's given. And, and I call that out and I, and I want people to be aware of that. And and so like that part, I was a little worried. Well, am I going to piss some people off with that? And I'm like, you know, what? you might, you might piss off, you might piss off a certain cult, but maybe I don't know about the other people. So, so like, I just wanted, I wanted to get that info inf information out. And then to your point, like as you're writing it, you know, you do the outline and then you get a couple of chapters into it. And then you're like, man, like, does it suck? And then like, I start sharing it with people and like, oh my God, this stuff is really good. So you can start getting like pumped up about it. Um, and that helps, but you know, in the back of your mind, like, cause you've been at it for so long, you're like, well, what if this sucks? Yeah. Like, what if this is well, it's like, even like handing over stuff for other, someone else to read. It's like, you don't yeah, even want to be yeah. there. I'm like, just call me tomorrow. <laughs> like, tell me what, yeah. I don't want to be there when you read it. Like, just yeah, tell me, so tell me what you think and then give me some pointers. But yeah, that's, it's definitely a nerve wracking thing, man. The, the feedback was always really good and positive. I, I shared it with Al Levy. Um, I shared it with Joe Crisara during the writing process and just say, here, here's what I'm doing. And here's how these chapters are laying out. And I got feedback from them to help shape some of the chapters and things like that. So that was, that was kind of helpful just to get a a little bit of, of feedback but once i started laying laying out the chapters i actually laid out the entire book myself normally i i would have somebody here we were just too busy to have anyone else work on it and 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 so as you're doing it like then it just starts becoming more real and then you start talking to a client who's experiencing the very exact issue that you just wrote a chapter on and you're like oh shit like i i, I want to send you a copy of this book even though it's not done yet just so you could read yeah. Exactly what you're experiencing. Like we had a client today who said, listen, I want to put on my truck service sales installations. 
And I'm like, oh my God, no, you don't want to put that on a truck. And he wanted free estimates. I'm like, no, 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 we're not putting that shit on your truck. And he's like, well, why? And I'm like, here's a screenshot from chapter 12 where we talk exactly about that. So I sent it to him. But, you know, it's kind of cool just to, as you're going through these experiences, and then you include some of those stories in the book to make it really relevant. And I think that's the other part of the book that that is great. It's not just me talking about this theory right there's dozens of case studies you know you're featured in there uh amanda from grasshopper is featured in there uh so many really uh ken goodrich wrote the intro um and there's just so many really real world um explanations about what i'm talking about so i'm like that's what i figured was good about the book too it's not just me spouting off theory about stuff i asked all these clients to speak about what the brand has done for them yeah, and, and it's it's been night and day, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm I th- I think about like I was trying to count in my head. I think I have ownership in at least eight eight logos or brands that you've done uh, between Hero, Service Rocket, Absolute, you know, all the other ones that you know I'm part of. It's, I th- I think we're up to like eight to t- eight to ten of them. Yeah, Dan Dan one. actually designed the Service Rocket logo. Pretty you know, kick ass logo. Obviously, me. So. <laughs> Yeah, when me and Dan, me and Dan work together, we work fast, and we both are like, "Okay, let's do this." And, we, and I, t- I give him an idea, and he goes and makes it come to life in a couple of days, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I think we took like a whole like five days or something like that on that one, maybe maybe five days. Um, <laughs> yeah. And but yes, I mean it's it's a, it's a night and day difference, and what you've done, Dan, is is really it has changed lives, it has impacted people, um, and I think that you know a lot of people just they they gotta you know appreciate it man it's like it's like watching jordan in his prime man like what you're doing for these people are changing their lives and it's it's allowing them to it's allowing them to to make more money for their families it's allowing them to to attract better employees it's allowing them to grow great businesses and it's allowing them hopefully you know to exit you know i know that uh trey addison just sold dream team what were they in business like five years five years and they exited for a large amount of money does that that doesn't happen with his other brand it doesn't happen they don't and I mean, his was, it looked like a, uh, what's the, uh, the <laughs> dirt bike, the, the Alpine, Alpine yeah. boot logo. And yeah, like, was, just to see that to what he did. And there's a reason why he got paid. If he didn't have yeah. that brand and he was trying to push that Aniston, there's no way on planet earth he was going to get the money that he got. And the same thing with me, like at, at, at some point, like this business is going to become worth a hell of a lot. It already is worth a hell of a lot of money, but it's going to be one of the most valuable businesses in, in the entire country at some point. And it would not have happened if I would have stuck the way, if I would have been okay being what I was doing, okay to, to grow a little bit every year, okay to do this. But if you're not, you have to, I think that's the biggest thing is you have to be okay with being I, I don't know, stepping out of your comfort zone or being uncomfortable and just trusting the mm-hmm. process and trusting the science behind it. Because I, I even had uh, a, a customer or a client of mine. He sends me, he's like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, dude, like, and he was going, he was trying to go with you. And I think he ended up firing you because you wouldn't do what he wanted to do. And he showed me like what he wanted to do. I'm like, dude, don't do that. There's, you're trying to sell to women, right? Like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize who their client is. Like your client yeah, is absolutely. women. If women yeah. think it's aggressive. Women don't think it's a good, like they, they're the ones that make the decision most of the time in the house. And I saw what he wanted. I'm like, dude, like, no wonder Dan doesn't want to work with you. Cause he doesn't want, like, he wants you to succeed. And some of these guys can't get out of their own way. And how, how have you been able to deal with that? Cause I mean, there's just some super old school guys that, that just don't, they don't see the vision. What do you, you know, how do you usually get them over the hump or what's, or what's the point where you just say, Hey, look, we can't do business together. Yeah. I mean, you, you do the best you can to educate them about maybe what they're asking and why that, why that's not a good idea. Um, so I, I, I try to, 
take my time and explain things. And even when we pitch creative and we say, here's the concepts that we think would work well, you know, we're, we're really trying to explain why, why those ideas would work for the market that they're in. But sometimes they really have it in their head exactly what they want. And, and quite honestly, like if you know exactly what you really want, you probably shouldn't hire me. You should just go and just sit yeah. behind someone at a computer and tell them to do exactly what you want. Like I don't add any value to that equation if you know exactly what you want. Um, but if you're asking me to do something that I know is not in your best interest, you're, you're paying me a lot of money. I'm going to tell you why not to do that. Like, so I'm not like a yes guy that's just going to cash checks and be go on my merry way. And like, Hey, I don't care that he's doing something that's completely wrong for his business. Like I care. So, so I am going to push back and I'm going to say, this is a really bad idea. Here's why. Um, after 2000 home service brands, you either think I know what I'm talking about or, I, you know, you don't like, so, um, and I think to your point too, like about, you know, even thinking about women as key demographics, you know, a lot of them will say, well, I don't like it. My buddies don't like it. And they get more of that mindset about it has to appeal to them a hundred percent or specifically forgetting again, the idea of how consumer bias plays a role in branding. So it's like, how, how do I make her feel comfortable with who's coming to her home? You know, so you've got that yeah. muscled mascot with a pipe wrench who looks like he's going to beat the shit out of you. That doesn't make <laughs> her feel at home. That doesn't make her feel yeah. warm and fuzzy. She's, she's already worried about who's coming to her house. Why do I need to make her feel even more worried about that? I want her to feel like this is a professional company, honest. They have skilled craftsmen um, and I can trust them in my home. Like trust is just such a huge part of that. And if the brand doesn't speak to trust, then then you're going to really just have an uphill battle trying to overcome that obstacle. So so, yeah, certainly, listen, you know, if you ask me to do something that's not in your best interest, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. And, you know, you could accept that or not. Like, that's that's your call on that. But like, I just I, I'm not going to cash a check for something I know isn't going to work for you. No, and that's and that's obviously you know that's another reason like you got to understand like so the people are like Dan's not working with you to to enrich himself he really isn't like Dan's got he's got clients coming out of his ass right how booked out are you guys right now I think we're booked out five months now <clears throat> five so five months so booked it's a good out idea and, to write a and, book right right like write a, good, a book. good time to write a book <laughs> write a book and then more people are going to want to buy your stuff and then you know it's no big deal we'll just back it up for a couple of years and yeah and hopefully yeah. hopefully by service rocket 2030 we'll have your truck ready no, yeah yeah so <laughs> so we got this book written um obviously i got a copy here uh dan thank you for having that signed for me i was you know pretty badass i got that right on my bookshelf i still got it i haven't got through much of it yet because obviously you know i got a million things going on i am excited to dig into it so if someone's looking to get this book i know that all the vip guests at service rocket growth summit are going to get a copy of this uh but if someone's yeah. looking to buy this book and, and go through it and get an idea of you know if it's something that's a good fit for their business what do they got to do so um, it's going to drop on Amazon, the pre-orders this Thursday. So September 1st, um, it's going to be available on, on Amazon for Kindle for 99 cents, just for like a couple of days or a day or two. And then it's going to go up to the 9.99 and then the printed copies will follow. And then we're going to have, we're going to have a few hundred printed copies as well at Service Rocket because we're going to have a booth there. So I'll be signing books there and selling some books that people want at the event also. Nice. So 
Yeah, so you heard it there. If you guys want to order on September 1st on Amazon, go ahead and pre-order the book. It's going to be worth every penny. The time and effort he put into this thing is is, is phenomenal. Everything that Dan's done and, t- and done in this industry has been great. So, Dan, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we're I think we're about exactly a month and a half away from the event. Um, you yeah. know, obviously everybody that's going to be out there, I'm excited to see all of you guys. And if you haven't got your tickets yet, you know, make sure to go to servicerocketnetwork.com and get your tickets. We just had about 60 open up over the last couple of days. Uh, Dan, anything else you want to add to anybody out there? Um, you know, listen, you know, from the bottom of my heart, Victor, thank you for everything you've done for me and my business. Uh, I'm so grateful, um, to consider you a friend and to be part of your success story. And, um, you know, I think that's what it's all about. So when I see you growing, when I see all the things you've been able to accomplish and, and know that I played, you know, maybe just a small role in, in, in helping you get there, that's, you're my why. So thank you. Yeah, man. I, like I said, a, a lot of my success came down to what you've done, man. And, and I, I don't forget that. And I, you know, I've obviously, I mean, you had those conversations like when that thing sells for a hundred million dollars, it gotta, you gotta cut a check to Dan. So hook me up, man. That's all. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for tuning into the Service Rocket Podcast. This was episode number seven with Dan Antonelli. Uh, tune in next week. We have Jeff Packard on episode number eight. He's going to be live in studio. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, and, and Apple. Dan, once again, thanks for having you on. Uh, thanks for coming on, brother. Uh, hope to, I hope that we'll, I know we'll be in touch soon working on our brand, uh, but I'm excited to see you in October. Peace out, brother.